Hi, my name is Thies Hetzert and welcome to a new episode of my podcast series Yellow Cap, in which I'm talking to alumni entrepreneurs from Erasmus University Rotterdam to find out what drives their entrepreneurial mindsets. I feel proud to be a student ambassador for Erasmus Enterprise, the community of entrepreneurs and innovators at the Erasmus University Rotterdam campus. Today I have the great privilege of uh, interviewing Jurt van Berkel, who is f- co-founder of Fit for, Fit for Me, which is the largest global market leader in nutritional supplements for people who have undergone uh, weight loss surgery. To give you an indication of the size of the market, in the Netherlands about uh, 400 to 500,000 people are uh, morbidly obese and 13,000 people uh, undergo surgery. So for many of them, the Fit For Me supplements are an indispensable link in the rest of their lives, uh, just as for uh, the hundreds of thousands of, uh, of others around the world. So a company making a significant social impact what, what was founded in an uh, attic room in, uh, in Rotterdam. Uh, during, uh, during his study time, uh, Short, uh, together with his, uh, his co-founder, both studied at, um, at the RSM from uh, 2003 until 2008. And Short has done an, uh, a master in entrepreneurship and new business venturing and also a master in, in finance and investments. So Short, it's great, uh, great to interview you. And uh, really excited to hear more about your uh, entrepreneurial journey and founding uh, Fit For Me. As a starter, I would really like to know a bit more about your own personal background. So where did you grow up and what was your sort of your childhood look like? And how, how did you make your way into entrepreneurship? All right. Well, first of all, Thies, uh, thanks for having me and, and inviting me. Uh, it's a great pleasure and also a great honor. And great to see that still students from uh, the Erasmus University have such an entrepreneurial spirit and come up with initiatives like this. So uh, looking forward to the conversation in the next hour. Um, I was born and raised in a small village called Leimuiden, which is close to Amsterdam. Um, oldest in a family of three. I have two younger sisters. Uh, and back at home, we have a family company. It's a company in the construction um, business uh, in the family for quite a long time, over 100 years old. Uh, and my father took it over from his father and so on. Um, he is running the company with his brother since the 80s. Uh, and um, yeah, as being the oldest boy in the family, uh, naturally, I, I think a lot of eyes uh, turn towards you as being the possible successor uh, to take over the company. But um, my career was a little bit different, uh, as you already mentioned in the introduction. Um, I think I had a, a very warm childhood, in which I was given a lot of opportunities, but also a lot of freedom to make my own choices. So I never felt pushed in any direction or so. I was really able to make my own uh, choices. Um, did my um, first my bachelor's in Amsterdam. So I always tend to say that my, let's say, uh, study career was a bit um, uh, not the standard or typical career. So from at VWO, as we say in Dutch, I went to do a, a bachelor first in Amsterdam, bachelor in business economics. I used my um, internship there to uh, get to know the construction business a little bit better because I still sometimes in my mind had the idea to maybe take over the family business. So 
I would at least uh, give it a fair chance to, to get to know that industry. And I really liked it. And I also did my uh, thesis back then in a construction company before continuing my studies in Rotterdam. Mm -hmm. um, in the meanwhile, I founded my first student company, uh, which was the best student job ever, at least for me, because I was literally selling ice cream on a boat on a lake. Uh, we have the luxury of having a few uh, lakes around this area. And uh, I was doing this, this summer job uh, for what we then still called uh, your, your boss uh, with some uh, of my oldest friends. And uh, I'll be honest to say that that boss wasn't really our favorite guy, so to speak. And we thought, hey, what he can do, we can probably do better. So uh, I wrote my first uh, business plan, which was literally one uh, paper size A4 handed in to my father to raise some funds to be able to uh, buy uh, three boats and some engines and so on. Before we knew it, we were uh, our own bosses and running our own company. So uh, I literally made my money in my swimming pants uh, with most of the time happy customers selling ice cream when the weather was nice. So uh, um, yeah, we always prefer to have a better spring season than we have in this year because uh, it was obviously very uh, weather dependent. So um, mm -hmm. and despite the fact that it was a lot of fun and I learned a lot of it, one of the biggest lessons was that it was fun, but definitely not scalable at all, uh, obviously. So that was an aspect I would like to see in a uh, future uh, entrepreneurial uh, career. Um, finished my studies in Amsterdam, always enjoyed uh, looking into stock markets, trading a little bit and things like that at my interest. Then I continued my studies in Rotterdam. And the main reason to go to Rotterdam was the fact that they offered the Master in Entrepreneurship and a Business Venture. That obviously had my interest and that made me uh, to uh, choose to go to Rotterdam University instead of Amsterdam, for example. Um, decided to move to Rotterdam, uh, lived there for 14 years, still a great fan of the city. And actually, I have a lot of uh, things um, in my life that I can be grateful for because of this choice, because uh, it was via a still mutual friend uh, that I met my current um, business partner, Simon. Uh, during my uh, study time in, in Rotterdam. Uh, and next to that, I also enjoyed the, uh, the program, obviously. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, those were good times. And it was in 2006. I honestly can't remember what assignment we had to do for the studies, but at least uh, it was um, an assignment for three students. Um, and one of um, uh, my friends said, hey, I know another guy who might, uh, is willing to join our group. And that turned out to be uh, not only a good friend, uh, but also my business partner for the last 16 years. So that was a very uh, interesting um, yeah, coincidence, basically. Yes, okay. Interesting. So uh, there you met uh, Simon, right? Uh, who later became your, uh, uh, your co-founder, as, as you pointed out. Um, right. And so to, to take a step back, um, what is it what really drives you about entrepreneurship? So uh, you grew up in this uh, entrepreneurial family, 
but what is it which sort of intrinsically drives you uh, about setting up your own initiatives? Yeah, I think in my case, it's, it's definitely something that you uh, had seen at home uh, from a young age onwards. Uh, but what was driving me was the possibility to really create something yourself with a great group of people. And one of my motivations not to jump on board of the family uh, company was to build something from scratch. That was yeah, an um, uh, ambition I had when I was younger. And I think uh, being the successor of a, a family business is very complicated and, and very challenging and cool to do. Uh, but I wanted to take the opportunity to, to build something from scratch to a certain scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, all the challenges that come along with that, uh, yeah, were things that made my heart ticking. So uh, mm-hmm. that was my motivation to, uh, to do this. Right. And why did you decide to study entrepreneurship? How, does, how did that sort of scientific element helped you uh, with your entrepreneurial pursuits? Yeah, that's a good question. And um, at first I was a little bit hesitant because I had the right papers to go to university straight away, but I decided not to because uh, ultimately I think I'm also more of a pragmatic uh, guy, so to say. Uh, but I knew uh, I had the capacities to do it. And um, I enjoyed my study period as well. So many things came together. Uh, I could extend that period. I uh, was willing to achieve my uh, master's degree. And uh, yeah, also definitely liked the topic. And uh, what I really liked is that the, f- the program at Erasmus was balanced in the sense that you definitely had the academic part. Uh, but I also really enjoyed the guest lectures of great entrepreneurs from, from the, let's say, bigger Rotterdam area. So there was a good balance of people from practice and relevant academic topics. So, um, yeah, that was uh, what made it fun for me. At least. Yes, interesting. And, and many um, uh, peers of yours, like I also previously spoke to um, uh, Wouter de Vries, and he also was in your cohort, right? So uh, looking back, uh, I guess like a lot of uh, classmates became eventual entrepreneurs, right? In your your cohort as well. Yeah, correct. Uh, The uh, mutual friend I was just referring to in my introduction, through which I met uh, Simon is about the fees. So uh, he played a big role in that. Um, honestly, I don't speak to all the guys from that period anymore, but I definitely follow them on LinkedIn. Um, but it was not only the guest lectures uh, from entrepreneurs that I enjoyed a lot. Uh, it was also the fact that most of the students were like-minded. Mm-hmm. They had either a similar background or at least had entrepreneurial ambitions. Uh, so, uh, yeah, then you quite easily get along because you have that shared interest. So uh, that was part of the fun too. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, then how do you look back to your sort of uh, informal study time there? What, you know, what did you do in your, in your free time, so to say? What? 
Um, well, um, I've never been uh, a member of a student association or uh, things as such. Um, I think also due to the fact that I had previously done my bachelor program uh, in Amsterdam, so compared to some other students, I was a little bit older. Um, I had my summer company, obviously, and we had to do some maintenance in the, in the winter, so I was working. And already quite soon, in 2005, 2006, uh, we started working on Fit For Me. Uh, so um, uh, we had the great idea of uh, doing a startup and finishing your master's degree in parallel, uh, which at that time uh, sounded quite easy, but turned out, to bit, uh, turned out to be a little bit more complicated in practice. Uh, so uh, I was doing that. So running the startup and studying, but I obviously also uh, enjoyed all the nice things uh, in the beautiful city of Rotterdam with, with great friends. So uh, I had an apartment in the northern part of Rotterdam where I lived with two uh, uh, still great friends of mine. So uh, those were good times too. Okay, clear. Thank you. So yeah, uh, you just alluded to it. So in, in around 2005, 2006, you, you founded Fit For Me. Uh, together with your peer, uh, Simon uh, Hammer. So he was also your, your study mate. Where, where did your sort of founding journey start? Like what were your initial steps of founding Fit For Me? So where did you start building your idea? The story is that I think Simon and I first became friends because uh, we had a lot of similarities uh, in background, but also uh, the interest in entrepreneurship. Uh, I had my student company, as I've just told you. Uh, Simon was running a student company as well. And he was already involved uh, with Fit For Me since 2004, 2005, uh, with two other people. Uh, but um, uh, the three people, Ultimately, wasn't the team taking that idea that they were working on, which was a radical fit for me, to the next level. So in 2006, I got the opportunity to come on board and I decided to take it. And it was from that point onwards that Simon and I started working together. Uh, so it was a very, very small uh, company already with some customers and little revenue. Uh, and we literally started in, in Simon's student house uh, back then. Um, yeah, so that's how we started. Um, and I think, as with many entrepreneurs uh, back in those days, we basically did everything together. Uh, so uh, one of the important things of that phase, I think, is that you really get to know each other and also get to know each other's strength. Uh, and things that give you energy and energy uh, drainers. Um, and it started evolving from there. Um, one of the critical steps was that we managed to welcome an angel investor on board quite early on, mm -hmm. which was a great step for us because up until that point, it was fully funded uh, by our own wallets, uh, which weren't that deep. So uh, uh, that ended quite soon. And we, we soon realized that to be able to build a consumer brand, it at least required more money than, than uh, our pockets could, uh, could carry. So um, uh, that's why we were very pleased to welcome 
a, a seasoned entrepreneur and investor on board to early, um, early stage. So that gave us runway to keep building in those days. Okay. And that investor also became an important uh, mentor for you because he was a serial entrepreneur, I assume. Or... That's correct. And uh, you'll probably hate when I use this term, uh, but uh, in the academic program, they called it gray hair support. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that article very well. And um, uh, not to say he's gray, uh, but the support was definitely there. So um, I think you, you realize it at that point, but you... I think at least in my case, you realize it better when you became older and more experienced is that being surrounded by people who have more experience, uh, have expertise in a certain area is very valuable. And if you can get along with them also quite well, it's good fun too. So uh, I think we were always uh, very privileged to have people like him uh, around us to guide us, to prevent us from stepping into a giant pitfall uh, and to support us where needed. So, um, yeah, that was a luxury there. Yes, interesting. And and how did he uh, come to believe in your idea? Like, what drove him personally to invest in your concept? <laughs> um, when we gave a speech, um, when he sold his share in the company after 10 years, so it was quite a long whole period, uh, we were uh, making the jokes that um, we drafted the plan with the uh, famous and maybe familiar hockey sticks in them. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, that hockey sticks ultimately turned out to be not the revenue, but the cost growth. <laughs> uh, so um, um, uh, uh, to, to cut the long story short, I think um, he believed in the people, basically. And uh, I think in the fact that uh, food supplements uh, is still a growing market uh, and it was a scalable idea in, uh, in theory at least. But um, yeah, it was, it was very early on and uh, I'm um, looking into uh, opportunities myself every now and then since um, uh, a few years. Um, and and that phase, it's all about the people. So I think um, he believed in us, the idea and the business model. Yes, interesting. And and what made you the strong founding team? Do you think like how do you also uh, complement each other's uh, skills and, and competencies? Yeah, I think um, uh, Simon and myself are uh, onto today still a great team. And um, Simon has always uh, taken great care of, let's say, the commercial part of the business. So business development, marketing and sales. And I was always focusing on the operational part of the company. Uh, so that was a good balance. Uh, pitfalls for us and let's say a knowledge gap or, or field of expertise is things like IT. Uh, that's not our... Uh, our uh, key strength, uh, but on the commercial and the operational part, we are definitely very confident to, to watch each other and also in personality. So uh, I think that makes us um, until today a great team. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And personality-wise, how do you complement each other? Uh, what uh, <laughs> do you defer? And... Uh, I think I'm a little bit more uh, uh, 
how to say that uh, you have you know these colors right mm -hmm. we, what we share is the orange part so we are very much goal oriented uh, love to grow our company and so on so i think those are typically the the things that you have to be aligned with because otherwise yeah, you divert too much from each other and you might have other ambitions so that's definitely something that we share um i'm a little bit more uh, uh how would you say that uh green and simon's a little bit more red uh so that that's well balanced he's um i think the fact that he is currently the CEO of the company goes to show that his fair his character fits that role uh, at this stage of the company quite good. And I've always been more the operational guy in the company. Oh, okay, interesting. Does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, really interesting uh, to hear about that. And then, sort of, uh, yeah, again, again, sort of going slightly backwards. So, what have been who have been your sort of first hires? Who did you hire first, and how did you also experience sort of the transition from being a, a founder toward being a manager? How did you cope with that? Yeah, that's a uh, a very interesting topic. Um, the first hire that we did was in Cafe Lowe's in Rotterdam on a Friday, because uh, the Monday after that Friday we uh, received the key of our office. <laughs> So we were very lucky that he took the opportunity. It was uh, a um, computer science student. So uh, he was going to do his internship within Fit For Me. Because uh, we back in the day, we worked a lot with interns. Um, so that was the first hire. And uh, uh, soon after that, uh, it was a second one from similar studies and a third one. And I think it was that third one that um, a few quarters later became our, let's say, first real hire. Because he finished his studies and he was employee number one. And he stayed on board for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. So that was a very interesting ride. Um, I think in the first years of the company, you have a smaller team which you could compare with what you can call like a wolf pack. You yeah, work long hours, have great fun together. Uh, we could enjoy the lunch still uh, whilst playing football on the street. Uh, it was different vibe back then uh, than it is now. But if you continue to grow and you grow through uh, the faces that you uh, most likely know from the books that you have been reading or you have to read, um, things change. Because you go from the wolf back from the 20 towards 50, and then towards 100. And then you also start to notice, feel, and understand that your own role is changing. And um, it wasn't until uh, January the 1st that I, January 1st this year, sorry, uh, that I had a role, let's say, in the company, uh, being the CEO of the company. Uh, but in that role, uh, I experienced exactly what you said, in the sense that uh, that role, uh, not per se that role, but you're, if you take that role, it's changing from being an entrepreneur to being a manager. And I am interested in both fields, and I like both. 
But I think in the end of the day, I'm hopefully a better entrepreneur than a better man uh, than the manager. So um, uh, I'm pleased that nowadays we found a great successor for my previous role, who can take it part of the company definitely to the next level. Uh, whilst I'm able to have a more entrepreneurial role and to be of value to the company in another way. So uh, that was a very important shift, but it took me a while to find out. And it's also, uh, it, it definitely feels like a good decision, but it's definitely a decision you also have to uh, maybe dare to make. Hi, interesting. And um, how would you describe your, your leadership style? Um, I mean, you, you pointed out that the transition point from, yeah, like uh, you have to trust someone to take over your work as well. I mean, that could be, it, it's your, your own uh, venture. So it could, be, I think it, it, it's a kind of difficult uh, turning point, right? Um, yes, but um, I think one of the bigger lessons is also that it's all about the people. And um, uh, if you have the resources to hire the best people out there, uh, I would strongly advise to do it or otherwise create the resources to be able to do it. Because uh, when you welcome great people, you, you almost instantly notice that, that your company is going to the next level. And um, uh, I'm very proud of the leadership team that we have uh, on board now. I'm also very proud of the rest of the team. Uh, but yeah, the ability to hire good people is what brings the company further. You cannot definitely do it alone and you should not want to do it alone. Um, so you have to, yeah, carefully think about how you see your own role within the company and uh, how you want to um, create that puzzle. Mm -hmm. Was this also something you actively uh, discussed with your with your uh, with Simon? Yes, and uh, I think that's typically one of the very important topics that you have to discuss together. Um, uh, we sometimes compare what we have with a marriage uh, to a certain extent. <laughs> um, but um, uh, as I earlier mentioned about welcoming and being surrounded by great experienced people, uh, which is not uh, a given, it's also not a given that you can run a business for over a decade with a very good friend and your business partner. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, that's a privilege too, but to be able to do that, uh, it's best when you're aligned on, on the key topics. And that's um, the level of ambition, uh, being satisfied on the, on the role separations that you both have, uh, doing what you like, have uh, uh, the same horizon, and so on. So, yeah, these are the things that every now and then you, you better discuss, uh, open together, uh, to make sure you're on the same page. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, within such a, a fast-growing company, you're also really uh, dependent on recruiting the right talent. Not everyone is capable of uh, coping with that strong growth. So 
can you please describe also what type of mindset, skills, and and sort of capabilities are uh, crucial for this growth phase in the in, in, of the company? Yeah, very good question, Tisha. I think um, that also has a lot to do uh, with the stages of the company, um, and um, sometimes it's very hard to see that. Uh, a colleague was absolutely great in a certain phase, but is uh, uh, facing his limits in the next phase because it requires something different in his or her role. Uh, those things happen, and that's also the reason why you have to uh, keep working and developing uh, yourself as an entrepreneur because uh, the same principle applies to you as well. And so those are definitely things that are happening. I think in the phase in which the company is now, it's about leadership, it's about team spirit, it's about professionalizing the business whilst keeping it flexible and entrepreneurial and structuring the business. Uh, and combining that with fun and a growth mindset, that's the killer combination to get to a good team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, and, you know, you also made um, sort of uh, organizational-wise an interesting decision. So in 2008, you, um, you expanded your presence to, to Belgium uh, and you sort of decided for uh, an agency-based model. Yeah. So, how 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 crucial has this also been for uh, sort of stimulating that growth mindset uh, within the company, and how did that um, you know uh, stimulate the entrepreneurial spirit within the organization to choose for such a model? Um, well, I think that there was um, uh, one of the key choices we made back then. Uh, I remember clearly that during the master's program, there was also the discussion we had about the franchise model and the fact that that allows you to uh, grow quite rapidly. So that, that was a little bit stuck in my mind too. Uh, but the fact that we choose for this model allowed us to open up in uh, quite a few European countries in a relatively short period of time, whilst it was uh, that not that much capital intensive. So we could do our international rollout quite fast um, with limited funds. And, and that was key too, uh, with having local people on the ground, because we believed that it was crucial to be successful. So I think that model uh, suited the stage of the company quite well. And it's also a model where the goals are aligned. And with that, I mean the success of the agent is the success of the principal, fit for me in this case, and vice versa. So that was the beauty of the model, definitely. Yeah, sure. And how, um, how difficult was it to, to attract uh, these agents abroad? Um, so, you know, expanding to Belgium, Obviously, culture-wise, there's a significant difference between the Netherlands and, and Belgium. So, uh, what again there? Also, what sort of characteristics were you there looking for in terms of recruiting those agents? 
Yeah, it's an, a question that uh, quite a few people ask us, and uh, <laughs> Sam and I could write a book about it because uh, there's definitely not one simple playbook. And uh, I think, uh, uh, to a very big extent, it's thanks to my business partner that we found these people, and basically it's all through network and and speaking to people. Uh, at least that's how we did it. So they weren't recruited via an agency or an embassy or whatever option you can think of. It was all through the network that we met these, uh, these great people. And um, we prefer to call them colleagues, by the way, instead of agents or another uh, label. Um, like I said, we prefer to call them colleagues. Yes, okay. And... You know, in, in 2009, your firm also made an um, important pivot. So, yeah, you began really to focus on uh, people um, suffering from morbidly obesity and then who have undergone surgery, right? Correct. Um, so you, you basically uh, switched from making relatively healthy people healthier to really serving a niche within a niche. Yeah. Why, why did you make this uh, shift? Well, first of all, uh, very well said. Um, our initial idea was to, uh, let's say, uh, shaken up or be a little bit disruptive in the quite traditional market for food supplements, dominated by the bigger players who have standard products for bigger target groups. And you uh, most likely know them uh, from the shops that you that you go to. Um, our idea was to personalize and to tailor food supplements towards the specific needs of individual consumers. So that was the idea from the start onwards. Uh, we developed a test uh, together with TNO to be able to assess what the personal needs of the individual consumers were. Uh, over half a million Dutch people filled out that test. So that was for us also a lead generator, uh, but gave us a lot of daytime for the uh, people that filled out the test. It was their um, info that they need to be able to buy a personalized supplement. Uh, and at a certain point of time, one of our customers told us that despite the fact that she had a personalized vitamin, she was still facing deficiencies. And um, most entrepreneurs don't like it when the customers say, your product is not working. So we were uh, intrigued by what was happening there. And it turned out to be that that person was a very active patient. And I'll be honest to say that back in the days, uh, we uh, didn't really have a clue what that was. Uh, but um, whilst digging into that subject, we got into contact with uh, a few great surgeons who explained that they saw that their patient group, so morbid obese people that underwent uh, weight loss surgery, have uh, different needs than you and I because they changed the GI tract of these people. So uh, these people, due to that change, have a higher chance uh, to run into deficiencies. And then we uh, decided to start working together and to develop specialized products for this indeed very small target group because um, back in the days there were done around two three thousand uh, procedures here in the Netherlands so it was really a niche 
And um, what started very small in the company became bigger and bigger over time. And we also started to understand the dynamics uh, of the target group a little bit better. And um, we have been serving both target groups for many years. But like you said, at one point, we felt that we had to make a decision because uh, we also believe in focus. And we decided to fully focus on bariatrics and to let go uh, the initial idea. And uh, Simon and I always have to laugh a little bit. Um, if you see all these articles of there's many startups out there in, in personalized medicine, but also personalized food and food supplements. Um, and some get really great funding to, uh, to work on their, their growth plans. So maybe in hindsight, we were a little bit early or too early, because uh, uh, nowadays you see many startups in that scene, but we are happy that we made the choice to, um, to fully go for um, uh, the bariatric food supplements. Yeah, yeah, okay. Cool. And um, how, how did that sort of decision also align with your personal uh, philosophy with your own personal drive? Um... What we liked a lot about um, serving this target group and, and working uh, in this field uh, is the fact that we could actually prove that our products were making a difference and were contributing to the quality of life of these people. Mm -hmm. uh, on many birthday parties, uh, or other occasions, people are asking, hey, uh, these food supplements, do they really work? Or uh, how do they contribute? And now we have done um, great randomized controlled trials together with hospitals and academic um, researchers showing the safety and efficacy of our products over time for these people. So uh, that was something that we enjoyed uh, a lot uh, to be able to prove um yeah the the added value of the product mm -hmm. um and to really become let's say the leader in this niche so um, mm -hmm. that was what we um we liked about it yeah yeah so you, you really had this uh sort of social mission as well in your, in your belief as an as an entrepreneur right you really had this ambition to make impact on a relatively smaller niche uh versus uh making sort of little impact in a bigger market correct yeah. absolutely yeah okay. yeah we call it um an otx uh, uh, model and with that i mean on the one end of the spectrum you have rx so prescribed medicines and on the other end you have otc over-the-counter products mm -hmm. this is basically the combination of both worlds because we have elements from the pharma industry as well as from the OTC industry. So that's why we call it OTX. Oh, okay. Interesting. And like also uh, there you have to, you know, get your, your uh, colleagues behind the, the new mission of your organization. Um, well, first of all, the, the colleagues that we were working with abroad, uh, the agents uh, that we earlier spoke about, they were uh, already mainly focusing on, on bariatrics because they saw that it was not a pure or almost pure uh, marketing-driven game. Uh, they 
is all the potential in this niche. And uh, I think the knowledge and competencies in the company that we had back then were better suited to make this work than to be able to further grow a, let's say, more marketing-driven um, brand and, and business model. Mm -hmm. So it was, to a certain extent, quite natural uh, that we went through this transition. Mm -hmm. uh, some people that were obviously already longer on board played a bigger role in the initiality. Uh, yeah, they also regret it because they put a lot of heart and mind in it. Uh, but I think everyone uh, back then understood the choice because you also saw um, not only the uh, competencies in the company changing towards that, but also if you look at the uh, financial part of the company, whilst it started small, uh, the part uh, of revenue in Bergetics became bigger and bigger and bigger over time. So it was also a natural shift it was literally the growth driver of the company. Oh, okay, there. And meanwhile, you, you expanded um, your your international presence also uh, quite quite dramatically, right? You you became um, a, a big international player. You are now in, uh, I think, in twenty two countries. But then at the same time, you you run your your business from uh, your the headquarters in in Rotterdam. So how important is this uh, Rotterdam identity um, for the culture of your organization and how you do business? Um, well, you know, when you, you uh, start working uh, internationally, you, uh, yeah, you learn a lot about other people, other cultures, ways of doing business and so on. And that for me, uh, one of the definitely fun parts of, of this entrepreneurial adventure. And uh, so that's the cool part. And also you learn how uh, other people look towards uh, our way of doing and being so direct uh, and so on. But in each and every, uh, what we call onboarding, so every now and then we welcome all new colleagues, uh, both from the Netherlands as well as abroad, in Rotterdam, unfortunately, nowadays we have to do it digitally, of course, for um, what we call the onboarding program. And one of the slides uh, shows um, a wall uh, in a, a bar in Rotterdam where it states, uh, work hard, play harder. And I think uh, that to some extent um, says a lot about the Rotterdam mentality. So uh, we try to um, cultivate it in the company as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Clear. Yeah, and it, I think it also speaks to something universal. Um, and and you know, when growing your company, you will also encounter some stress, of course, uh, because it can be, uh, yeah, uh, can be challenging to sort of separate your your work life from your maybe private life. Um, how did you cope with this tension between the work life? balance um, mentally wise well uh, you definitely have to relax and uh, and create these moments um, I think it also changes over time uh, when we started uh, for the first two or three years I, I can't recall exactly but uh, what I can recall is that our salary was exactly zero per year 
And the company was making a loss. And you saw your friends and fellow uh, study mates uh, making good steps in the uh, corporate uh, ladder and career, uh, getting a, a lease car uh, and so on. So there was a point in time that we were questioning ourselves, hmm, are we on the right track or, um, uh, or not? Uh, but that's also, I think, in hindsight, a very critical phase that we went through and that we somehow managed to, to uh, survive and um, uh, yeah, uh, go through. Um, but was that stressful? Yes, because uh, uh, yeah, when you get older, you have more responsibilities, uh, financial needs are growing and so on. Just, so there was a necessity to also get through that phase. Um, so that was definitely um, a milestone that we that we achieved when that turned. Um, and then, you know, ultimately it's it's the fun that is definitely having the upper part. Uh, but there always have there have been tougher times or tougher decisions or um, a lot of things going on uh, in the company. So mm -hmm. it, it's part of it. And I think uh, most of the entrepreneurs um, never really tune out. Uh, so even if you have a few days off, you're always thinking about the company and the next steps uh, and so on. Yeah. But if you like what you do, uh, it's not that hard to, to go with. I think that that's crucial. If you stop liking what you're doing and um, uh, the fun part is not giving as much energy as it should do, then then we'll most likely flip. Uh, but that's not the case, fortunately. Yeah, yeah, clear. And um, what are your, your personal ambitions with your company and uh, also personally on a personal level? How like what are your your key interests? I think you're also uh, you like to be on on the water. Yeah, still. Yeah. <laughs> what uh what are your personal ambitions there? Uh, so. Well, uh, first of all, it's still a great ride, and uh, hopefully we can uh, celebrate too late, but the fifteenth uh, uh, anniversary of the company with the whole team on a great place somewhere. Um, and um, uh, we still see a lot of growth potential within fit for me itself and also another opportunity. So to uh, make a difference for even more customers that we're currently serving is part of the ambition. Um, but as a person and an entrepreneur, I would also like to, let's say, give something back and to see uh, that at some point I can assist in, in some way or another uh, younger entrepreneurs uh, so that's definitely part of my ambition and as you said I, I still like to be on the water and uh, also uh, to ride on my road bike so a, uh, a sports um, challenge uh, every now and then is, is something I enjoy very much too mm -hmm. yeah okay clear and then um, to sort of uh, wrap it up um, what, what would be your, your key pieces of advice for students who are uh, 
thinking about setting up something for themselves? Well, first of all, quite surely, just do it. Mm. Not only think about it, but do it. Because otherwise you don't become an entrepreneur, but you stay a want entrepreneur. And um, uh, there might be, be a point in time in, in your life that you regret it. So just do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, surround yourself with great people. Don't be afraid to fail. And um, uh, give it all your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clear. Yeah, this supporting network, right? You were referring to. Um, is this also, also something you really would emphasize to to my peers to, you know, pay really close attention with whom you are now working as a student? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because you you were for referring to that uh, group of uh, of friends you were, uh, you know, with uh, Wouter de Vries and. Yeah. How big is that network and what topics do you share then? What? It's a group of, uh, of 10 guys uh, owning several companies. Uh, and Bouter de Vries and his business partner Gerbrand from Your Surprises is one of them. Um, yeah, we are around the same age. Uh, many of them are also entrepreneurial couples. So Wouter and Gerbrand, and in other cases, it's, it's the same. So that's very interesting. Also longer marriages. And yeah, you share topics about what you face whilst growing the company, um, how you think about the future, um, and so on. So um, I always like um, discussing with fellow entrepreneurs because you can learn a lot of it. Uh, but it also gives me a lot of energy and uh, we uh, like to do fun things as well. So uh, every now and then we, uh, we plan a great trip uh, yeah. with each other. And uh, the one that has to organize it changes uh, every year. So uh, it's a good group of guys. Uh, nice. Yeah. I can say. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your uh, time, uh, Sjoerd, uh, and for your uh, uh interesting piece of advice and sharing your uh, your great story i think yeah you're you're a big inspiration for all of us and um, yeah really uh, great job on your your uh, journey and wish you all the best also in your uh, future expansion of uh, fit for me thanks for having me Tiz, and uh, i wish you uh, good luck with uh, finishing your studies at first but also with this entrepreneurial adventure that you are working on I hope that some of the things that I've shared with you and the people that listen to can be your time.